0: Welcome to the Hustle or Bust podcast powered by Paver Art. Our mission is simple, to dive deep into the world of entrepreneurship, small business, and all the success, struggle, and challenges that need to be confronted in the pursuit of growth. We celebrate the entrepreneurial spirit. But perhaps most important, we want you to learn at least one idea that you can put into action immediately to make your investment in time worthwhile. On well, this episode, we talk about the grit and grind, building resilience in the midst of the journey. From finding the joy through your daily struggles, practicing gratitude, getting your first big win, and the sobering responsibilities that come with business ownership. We hope you find a nugget or two to think about for your journey. Now, this is episode, I believe this is episode eight. And the title of this episode is Grit and Grind, Building Resilience in the Midst of the Struggle and Journey. Now, I have to be honest, I did not, uh, I did not write that intro, or I did not write that, that title. So I'm going to ask you right off the bat, explain Building Resilience in the Midst of the Struggle and Journey. I know what I think it means. What
1: do you think? It is? Well, the uh, you left off the first two words: grit and grind. Oh, I did. Grit so, and grind, That's which are exactly right. which are paper art values that we have in the back of our t-shirts that kind of define our kind of our core values or behaviors that we value.
0: Grit, grind, hustle, repeat. That's right. Grit.
1: Uh, I don't know if you've ever read this book. It's the book title is Grit. Angela Duckworth. I think she's a Harvard psychologist. She mm-hmm. talks about this concept of grit, which is building resilience and getting knocked down, but then making sure you get up. It's been a while since I've read it, but I think she did a study that says, what makes somebody successful? It's kind of like a Malcolm Gladwell look at success, sure. psychology. Um, so you think about things like intelligence. How important is intelligence in the world of success? So she looked at that, and she basically came to the conclusion, if intelligence counts for one point, grit counts for two. So, okay, you got you got to be smart, but... She's going to value grit more. She's In her analysis, she found that grit, resilience, getting back up, not quitting, keep going, is worth twice of what intelligence is. So Mm -hmm. I love that word, grit, uh, you know, getting back up. Resilience, uh, it's basically the title is in a small business, in any business for that matter, or a career, I think more than 50%, maybe it's as high as 80% of the day, of the grind. And grind's kind of just that. It's a grind. You know, you've got to struggle through the day. You're dealing with adversity. You're dealing with failure more than you're dealing with the wins. So, you know what we want to talk about today is in the midst of all that. If eighty percent's a struggle, trying to get something done, trying to build a business, trying to recruit employees, the thousand things I got to get done. If more of it is challenging, I would hate to use the word negative, but mm-hmm. it's in that light. You're not celebrating massive achievements every single day, all day long. Right. If eighty percent of it's hard work and a grind. How do you find joy in that process? Because if you don't, um, by its very nature, it's going to beat you down and it's going to wear your wear your ass out. It's just a matter of time,
0: and eventually, it ends. That's right. So, well, the um, so, ladies and gentlemen, episode eight: grit and grind, building resilience in the midst of the struggle and journey. I got it. I finally got it all. Well, that's done. a long one. Well, that's done. a long. That's a long title. <laughs> You know, it's that's it's interesting. It's interesting that there's you know there's a ton of businesses out there. I mean, the, uh, the American economy is, for all intents and purposes, run by small business. Yes, there are the Fortune 500 companies. There's the you know the uh, uh, the uh, market caps and you know in excess of one, two, ten, fifty, a hundred, two hundred billion dollars. I I mean, that's all very understood. It's all understood. But the, I, I believe the lifeblood, and the uh, the lifeblood that runs the engine of this economy is small business. That's over 30 million businesses. Yeah, 30. It's that's a staggering number of businesses mm-hmm. in a 50-state territory. Uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. But, um, uh, you know, when we started this business here. One of the things that was intriguing and it's it's it, Right, you know when you're you know when you're in, intrigued and excited and you know, you're 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 looking at the adventure ahead In regards to a new product you you. You're just oh my goodness You can't wait to get in there and get things set up and the first thing you realize is we don't have any desks <laughs> You know where well, we're gonna sit we need chairs, right? Okay. Ooh we got to get computers, okay? This, you know, uh, the, the reality of smart, of starting a small business kind of hits you right in the face. But you're still powered by that euphoria, as you said. The, how long do you think that feeling
1: lasts? Well. Because what we're talking but, about here is feelings, basically, I, and how do you manage through all
0: that? For me, it's the concept, what I call the concept of the first big win, mm-hmm. Okay. And um, you know the little wins are understandable. The little wins are well we got the computer now we know how to run it. Let's turn it on, right? Okay, in. you know. <laughs> we you know, we got you know we got the you know we got the processing and manufacturing equipment and you know when we learn how to run that or when the person who's responsible for that learns how to run that that's a you know that's a, that's a that's a medium-sized win. The big win, the first big win is when you land that first big sale. You process that order you get it out the door and as that as that flatbed's driving away with those 21 pallets of material you just go wow okay now you've made and it that gives you that 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 powers you into the next level keep going okay that's proof of success it validated you it justifies the time and effort and investment that, that you've you know that you've gone through and all the trials and tribulations but that first big win in my mind, is very very important. Well, you,
1: the the old axiom axiom is nothing happens until first a sale. So, what you described there, the euphoria of the startup, you know, getting the things around you. Sure. But you you define your first big win is that first market recognition. We want to buy this from
0: you. And trust me, by the time you usually get your first big win, that euphoria has been deleted. Right. Okay. You're 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 now running. <clears throat> you're now running on. Um, uh, you're, you're now running on just the, the same You're doing the same things adrenaline. every day And you know The you know, the adrenaline shot that you get every once in a while That's what gets you through most of the days uh, You're still You're still doing the day to day Okay that's the grind that you were talking about um, You know The grit The, the, the three of us always had the grit. That's not an issue.
1: Well, talk about your founding team, because I think it's unusual for a company, a small business, to start with the founding team that we had. Well, In terms of managing the struggle and all that, you were a triumvite, the three of you. Right. Talk a little bit about that, because I think a lot of small, the 30 million small businesses, mm-hmm. I don't know if they've got the benefit of three heavy hitters as a founding team. There's
0: You could look at that as being uh you know that that gave us a leg up it's an unfair advantage i mean it really did right and uh, the fact that you had three guys who were
1: and talk a little about the profile
0: all relatively successful in what they were currently doing before they went out and started you know we went out and started paperwork um that's that's i, I don't know that that's unheard of but it's i would imagine it's somewhat unusual but uh, you know uh, when you look at the three of us, what kept us going, what kept us doing and grinding it out day after day, uh, what what kept us looking towards what we felt was going to be the first big win, and it turned out to be the first big win, we that was the four intersections in Wildwood, New Jersey. The um, you know you, you need somebody who's the champion. Unique because there's days when you just you come in, and you're like, okay, um, guys it's been three months you know and uh, i'm i'm a little i'm a little down here you know let's we need to have a meeting and and discuss let's let's let's, let's kind of tie up all the loose ends and you know let's get pumped up again well you need a champion okay and uh that champion in our case was Mick Soroka. Mm-hmm this was Mick's idea this this idea was not going to die. the founder oh yeah it found you know the guy who came up with the idea Uh, who uh, went out and found out about my brother, and we'll talk about that in a second. But the idea is that he, he was the champion. Every day he came in, you never saw anything other than this is great, look at what we're doing here, look at what we're building, this has never been done. That constant reminder, hey, hang in there, this is going to work. This is going to work, I know it's going to work. Uh, you know, I'm from this, I'm from this world and I wasn't from this world. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I took uh, tremendous solace in what he did. So his input from that standpoint, the champion, I think was, was very, very important. But then you need every, then you need somebody who's the pragmatist. Right. You need somebody who's the, the realist, the guy that comes in and says, okay, here's how it really is. All right. Yes, we can do this. And, yes, I'm turned on by this idea just like the, like you two are. But here's what it's going to take to get there from a finance standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, from a, um, an inventory and operations standpoint. Uh, and that was my brother, Ken. Mm-hmm. And when you've got those two, oh, man, it's just, you know, you've, that's, your, that's your security net, you know. We didn't have dollar one coming in, but that was your security that. Sure. And that you had the, the psycho- talent to make it happen. It's it's very it's very psychological, yep. but it's very it's it, it 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 keeps you pumped. It keeps you going. Uh, so uh, you know, a very important part of the team is the pragmatist, uh, and then then there's the expediter. That was me. You know, get shit done. Right. Okay. Now we all we all came from that school from that get shit done school, yep. but, um, you know, my background, I plugged holes that those two didn't have, and they plugged holes that I didn't have, but the holes that I plugged kind of completed that triumvirate, that completed that unit, made that work, okay. Talk a little bit about a brief 30 seconds on
1: each of their backgrounds, their skill sets, their experience that they brought to the table.
0: Uh, Mick owned his own business he basically uh, when he got out of college he uh, started his own business cutting lawns and learned the hardscaping trade concrete pavers installing them Um, he learned that under someone else and decided as it just Vic was the classic entrepreneur I can do this and he did it for at least 10 years or or 20 years No, it's he by the time I had met him um his company Techniscape, had already been in existence for over 10 years and he was catering to high-end uh you know high-end type applications for backyard patios driveways walkways all that sort of thing and then he had this other uh uh, business that got that was tied to that where he cut lawns Mm -hmm. okay and he had a group of people that cut lawns so he knew business
1: and he knew the outdoor hardscaping world. He knew guy. it inside right. and out.
0: Uh, and uh, so, from that standpoint, as a teacher, and making me understand, and making Kenny understand what concrete pavers were all about, that's where that was his background. And it was he was tops in his field, absolutely tops in his field. Um, my brother, uh, as a CPA. Uh, that's, that's basically, uh, coming out of Villanova, becoming a CPA, doing his thing in a CPA firm, uh, you know, learning all the ins and outs of, of how businesses run, all types of different businesses. Uh, you, 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 can't downplay that. And, and we hope to have him as a, uh, as an interview, uh, Be fantastic here in, the, here in the near future. But when it came to the finance, the accounting, the, uh, the, the understanding of cash flow, uh, all those important things that you need to know, uh, that, uh, you know, the the mechanism that keeps the business running, he had that down. Um, well, I'll
1: push back a little bit. Saying that sorry. your brother had a CPA and he had those experiences, downplaying a little, he rose to high levels in the corporate world. Uh, so he, he had thank, achievements. Yes,
0: thanks for bringing, you're right. Yeah. Uh, thank you for reminding of that. I mean, uh, he's
1: probably well, he in the did, top, X percentage of his field, so it comes to get her into a small business, a startup. Um, so you got Mick with the business ownership, right. knew the market, knew the outdoor living. Ken, one of the tops in his field. Right. And then a little bit about you.
0: Um, my background was in operations initially, and then I went into sales. And that's where, uh, when I left the company that I was working for, I was VP of sales and marketing for that company. Um, uh, and uh, at some point I was also a general manager. So handling people, handling, you know, handling salespeople, actually selling, being out on the road for, uh, you know, for many years, uh, it, it, I filled that gap. Okay. So then all right, so if I
1: were to summarize, I'd say that's unique for a startup, right? For something completely new to the world, the world never saw payvar They they didn't even know what it existed. You've got a founding team. That was the unfair advantage. The level the three of you had, the experience that you had, kind of off the charts, I think, for the world of small businesses as a startup. That's my opinion. Your opinion on what percentage of the world was that grind, that difficult stuff, that hard stuff to get the business going in the first, let's call it, five years? You weren't making money hand over fist. I I don't think many businesses
0: do. Well... We were also well. Yes, you're right. We, we we were fortunate, however, in that the first, you know, what what, what gave us all the little final kick, you know, uh, to get started. The, you know the, the you know that you know the starting gun that got us moving. Uh, you know, we came out of the shoot with a good size order, but
1: that financed the business.
0: That, yes, for all intents and purposes and also somewhat unique it is somewhat unique but obviously there also needed to be you know there needed to be an injection uh and it was all you know uh it was basically all self-injected capital mm-hmm. if you will um without going into the details that's that's that was part of it also but we did not have you know an angel financier that came and said, Hey, i really like your product here's right. a, you know here's a half a million dollars go for it you know, no we didn't have that um that um uh, at any rate, uh, and my brother can speak more to that when at, at that point, if you know, uh, if and when we do interview him. But the um, uh, the grit, it's, that comes from inside. You've got to have that. If you don't have that, forget the grind. You're, Be- not, you're not gonna grind on anything, but the grind part of the job, that's every day until you get that first big win. That's ninety percent of the job. So
1: let's move past the four intersections of Wildwood because that right. financed the business. That was the big win. Right. It launched the company. What happens after that? You didn't have another one behind that, did you? You uh, had to go do it piece by piece and go on a road correct. and talk correct. about going on a road. And what does it mean to generate revenue for a small business?
0: Well, if you've been in sales for, if you've ever done sales professionally, you know you have a territory. You have to manage that territory yourself. It's it's much akin to having your own business or running your own business and the uh, to do that you have to understand cost you have to understand you know the you have to understand clientele you have to understand how to sell you have to understand your product inside and out you know product knowledge the you know personality the the marketing personality the somebody you know you when when people talk to you they enjoy talking to you you know that's learned, and it's also inherited. It's mm-hmm. about a 50-50 proposition sure. for the good for the good salespeople. Um, and then there's the actual understanding of administering to that territory. But as part of the grind, uh, one of the things that I mean, I stayed in more than my fair share of cheap ass hotels. I How mean, cheap? I mean, real cheap. I mean, we're talking twenty-nine ninety-nine oh, plus perfect. tax. Okay, you know. Yeah, you know, and if it, it and if it said like the Red Roof Inn's free HBO, <laughs> I'm in. I'm there. I'm absolutely. Did there. they have a free breakfast? No, they didn't. Well, you got you got to factor that in. No, it's so it wasn't that cheap. Fortunately, most of those places are near a Bob Evans or a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> and by the way, you can't get a better five dollars. Right. you can't get a five pump back. Uh, a quick five little side, side
1: note. This this uh, I've gotten tagged in my career of being cheap as it comes to travel and entertainment. Sure. Uh, one of my good friends that used to be a CFO of a uh, previous company that I owned uh, w- this was a bone of contention between him and I we stayed in a hotel in California and he found blood stains on the sheets so that 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 clearly he won that argument
0: <laughs> I was a little too cheap on that one we should do an, we should do a podcast we should do an episode not a podcast but an episode of a of our podcast where we just... You know, we do an hour's worth of stories. More stories? I, I think the stories would be fantastic. I, 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 I know I've got several. I know you've got several. We've shared them over the last four years.
1: But back to your grind of the five days on a road at the Red Roof Inn and traveling. Where, where did you travel? Anywhere?
0: The, the 48 contiguous states. You know, I didn't have, I, I didn't go to Hawaii. I didn't go to Alaska. Uh, the but, first
1: two years on a road, how successful? Because I know you pivoted at one point. And you said this ain't working anymore with your di- distribution channel?
0: It was difficult. The, the problem was we thought that the, uh, that we thought distribution was the best way or the, you know, the path of least resistance to get the get the word out on the product.
1: And by distribution, what do you mean?
0: Well, in most states, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, selling concrete pavers, it's best done through distribution, meaning there's a local distributor that has you know, uh, he's the he's the, uh, the uh, you know he's the sole he's the sole distributor for a particular manufacturer, or he'll have a couple of manufacturers that he represents. Plus, all the ancillary so it's basically products retail. that go along with that. It's pretty much the case. The
1: landscapers go there, they buy their pallet of whatever they need, and then they leave. They're a retailer, so exactly. it goes manufacturer like a techo block yep. to a distributor who's a retailer, and then you try to sell through that retailer.
0: But if you know anything about you know uh, marketing channels and distribution channels. There's a tremendous amount of work that's required to not just get, you know, it's it's easier to get the distributor than it is to maintain the distributor and keep them up to date. And, you know, the only boots we had on the ground were owned by me. Okay. How many, so, so you hit
1: 48 contiguous states. How many distributors did you call on before you said, you, you, that was adversity. If you said it ain't working, how many did you call on before you made that? Two,
0: it was somewhere in the vicinity of 220.
1: You made 200? And twenty sales calls. Well,
0: there was more sales calls. That's that's who we eventually, you know, lined up after three years worth of work. Right. Um, but we had to modify our approach. You know, typically you want a distributor to be a stocking distributor. How many stocked? It's three. Three
1: out of two twenty.
0: Yeah, three out of two twenty. And so, had they sold, they didn't stock. What'd they do? That's a great point, Mark. How did they sell? Okay, they didn't have any skin in the game. Right. You got to have skin in the game. If you don't, as you a know, customer, if, if if you've got stuff sitting in your warehouse, the owner of that you know that distribu that, that distributor's going, hey, when the hell are we going to sell this paver art stuff? Okay, well, the problem with that is you've got to teach these folks how to sell paver art. Yep. It's brand new. Nobody's ever seen it before. Right. Okay. It's not a trinket, and it's not inexpensive as you know as a uh, as a uh, uh, as an accessory product for a backyard patio or driveway or walkway at someone's home, so it's there's there's many levels to sell. The, the problem with this was it took up so much time.
1: Well, three years, and you had three people stock. Right, but you had 220 say yeah, they'll support it. And
0: you and you've got to be judge and jury, Mike. Uh, why is it that this distributor, 25 miles down the road? Uh, is also selling your product to, you know, to my client. And, you know, you're you to get involved and arbitrate it. That's exactly right. right. And that took that started taking up a hell of a lot of time. So part of the grind was to figure out that that was a mistake. Didn't work. Didn't work. Uh, and uh, the decision was made. You know what? The heck with this. Uh, we're going to drop these guys uh, or we're not it's not a question was it short-sighted
1: on their part do you think looking back 18 years ago that distributors didn't get on board with it
0: oh i'd love to talk to every one of them today and say that right to their face right you weren't thinking ahead okay look what we've done with this company this product now now everybody knows about paper art Mm -hmm. you know or or the, the people that our Awareness higher, out, yeah, but right. much, much higher than than it, than it ever was. And let's also let's not forget also. When we started, the whole concept of a website, and this is twenty years ago, the, the whole concept of a web websta- website had started to take hold, but not everybody had a website. Right. So th- that meant that not everybody was website savvy. Well,
1: let's, let me go back to grit and grind, right? right. So you got three years. You're on a road. You're staying right. in a shitty red roof ends. Right. You signed up 220 for support, but you right. said, what, three of them actually brought product in and had skin in the game. Correct. So that, I think, is the definition of those are not great sales results, right? Mm, exactly. It's not what you, it's not the outcome that you wanted. Now, you pivoted and all that, but three years of the thing. Tell me, Talk about how you brought that issue to the table, and how did you decide to pivot and say, let's scrap this and start over? How did that all happen as yeah. a key leader in the business?
0: Well, the one nice thing about the three of us was that we all understood that, you know, it's pretty simple. It's a pretty simple equation. You got to sell product. You don't sell product, you're going out of business. Mm -hmm. It's very, very simple. So when you sit down at the table and you go, hey guys, okay, I have, look, look at all these calls that I've made. You, you, you talk to me every day when I'm on the road, you hear from me every day. When I'm in my office, you hear me talk about, the failures and the, and the and the triumphs and the you know i just got this guy today and oh by the way they've got somebody on they got a contractor on the hook to to buy a product one of our products you know you've, you've heard this every day now this has been going on for three years right all right um at the end of that three-year period you got to look back and you got to go uh, the distributors our ability to sell through a distribution channel is not very it's it, it hasn't been very successful and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. Right. And we're not in a position to hire people to send and, and you know cover a three-state or four-state or five-state territory to make it work. To make it work. Right. Uh, and we weren't going to go to the uh, to the sale. You know, we weren't going to go to the, the sales rep uh, route either. Mm-hmm. We were too young. We were too new. So, what do you do? Well, the bottom line is we're going to sell to everybody. Okay. But how did you
1: have that conversation with Mick and Ken? That says we got to scrap this
0: well i i remember was it just
1: you you got beaten down in the ground up here no or it was a truly failed strategy no I'd, i i came in
0: one day and by the way they see it every day it's not right. like so it's, not, it's not like it's not like mike came in and you know there was this you know the uh you it, didn't do a powerpoint on was this was one a, <laughs> yeah, there, was a, there was a big shiny halo around my head right you know and oh well here comes mike he's going we're going to talk about sales today no that's you know, it's, uh, that's that's not how it worked. Everybody, all three of us knew what was going on. I, you know, and I can't remember who exactly it was that said it. It was probably me. But, guys, we need to do something different here. This isn't working. My suggestion is let's go direct. Now, you know, you know, I'll deal with the clients. I'll deal with the distributors that call, well, wait a second. I thought I could buy from you. Yeah, you can still buy from us, okay, but you're not getting a preferred price. But- and by the way, if your contractor that's buying product from you decides to call us direct, we're going to give him the opportunity to buy from us too. Mm-hmm. So I established I, I established three price lists, you know, and it worked. That's always that, That's the way we've been. We well, didn't it have much to sense. lose. It's not like you had
1: a hundred stock and distributors Great across point. the country. Yeah, exactly. And so it and, wasn't a big decision. That's
0: exactly right. So, um,
1: but it, there there is a lesson there. A new to the world product. It, it wasn't because of lack of sales efforts that this thing didn't light the world on fire and that a hundred distributors across the country took on pay for right, it.
0: Exactly. So there, there's
1: a combination of short sightedness. I think the fact that you do have to support them, you know, all these paper manufacturers, they they'll go to the distributor, they'll do lunch and learns. They'll do all kinds of stuff to educate them, build free displays. They'll do all that. And we weren't in a position to do that. Right. I'm not sure to be honest with you, if we did it, it would have worked anyway. If we mimic it, mimic that world, I think what sells our product is imagery installed photos uh the uniqueness finding that consumer that wants something different so what versus the, a mass market the, what, sea of pavers
0: When but that following right on the heels of what you said what was the first thing we did when we decided okay okay we need to we need to like you said pivot we need to pivot here we need to do something different uh and that di- doing something different was going direct to contractors going you know working directly with landscape architects, not having to deal with the day-to-day, hey, Mike, I thought you were gonna sell this product to me. Well, yeah, and if you, you know, if you, if you, actually, stock some, if you actually put some in stock, you know, I, this, this phone call would have a lot more, you'd have a lot more leverage, right. but uh, having said all that, what was the first thing we did? We scrapped the website and built a new one. The first website I thought was fantastic, and I think we all thought it was fantastic. You know, considering the fact that we had limited items to show, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a new product. You know, uh, Google was in its, they weren't in their infancy, but they were still catching on as a marketing channel, you know, for small business. Uh, You know, Facebook was practically non-existent. Facebook was non-existent. Uh, There was all sorts of things to, you know, that, that were presenting themselves as opportunities, but you had to pick one. So what we did was, the first thing we did was we did, we upgraded the website. Now, that was the first upgrade of the website that we had, and then we had three more after that. That's how important the website became. It became a reference point uh, to sell. You know, I I became less important as a a road salesman, a lunch and learn guy with landscape architects, because now there are ways to do that same selling with, with not just the website, but all the other... IT, uh, all the other IT assets that were you know, every year something new was coming out uh, and that's that's what we started to concentrate but on. But I think there might be a lesson there
1: three years, <laughs> countless red roof ends, on the road three people that actually took and put skin in the game with stock right. and product and then you, all three of you, because you knew what was going on, you said it's not working, let's scrap it. So you kind of said let's just kill it. Right. Mm-hmm. You put it to bed that strategy. And then you said, All right, now let's get our energy going in a forward momentum thing. Let's use this thing called a website. Right. And let's get a line against a new project and whether you bring vendors in or however you do it. You said, let's kill that. Put our energy towards building something new. So you didn't just say, All right, let's go direct. You put resources behind
0: a new strategy to get it a shot. You had to. You had to. Uh, by then also by at that time, you know, paper ads were a big way to get the get your product out there and known. Uh, The hardscape industry had its own magazine, uh, hardscape magazine it was called. Uh, There were two landscape architect journals that came out, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, once a month, and one was Landscape Architecture magazine, which is uh, uh, a terrific magazine for landscape architects, but very, very Uh, high-end. Then there was Landscape Architect and Specifier News, which was our chosen you know, paper medium, uh, marketing outlet.
1: Well, let me ask you what sustained if for three years. You had three distributors stocking. What sustained the business
0: if that didn't work? Well, we would still, we'd still get calls from landscape architects. We, you know, that's, that's when we learn other markets. Uh, correct. That's other markets. That's when we learn how to, um, you know, start taking business. We were taking direct business, but it was spotty, but those, that spotty business that we took, i'll give you a for instance we got a call from a and this is a this is a great example uh we got a call from a from an architect down in miami who was the architect for jimmy buffett hmm. this guy discovered our website somehow he discovered our website uh and uh he said look i need to talk to you uh you know jimmy buffett's and his margaritaville franchise uh were were putting something in las vegas oh okay well, so so what do you need from us well uh, we're thinking of building, you know, we don't want to do a decorative concrete or stained concrete uh, parrot, uh, which is the, you know, the basically the cornerstone of the Margaritaville franchises. that parrot, if you will, you know, with the palm trees in the background and, the water mm-hmm. and all that and then the, the Margaritaville name um uh, we want to do something special we want to do something brand new because this is going to be a really special high-end margaritaville it's going to be right on the strip and it's going to be in the flamingo hotel pretty cool oh great no problem so mike gets in his car uh i plan a week's worth of calls uh and i wind up you know i've got calls from here all the way down to miami and then from miami all the way back Jeez. so uh but my primary call was to talk to this architect and a personal visit I've got my, you know, I've got my valise with the samples. Valise, there you go. There's a throwback. You know.
1: You're Franklin Conner? How old are you, Mike?
0: <laughs> the old school. Mike's 93 years old. At any rate, the, um, uh, at, at any rate, we got the order. Okay, uh, Mick did his thing in designing it. You know, uh, you know Ken uh, did his thing in regards to working out the details. Uh, you know, pricing. The, you know, the quote for this thing uh and it, i wound up having to get fly out to las vegas mm-hmm. i didn't drive this this time i flew but we thought it was going to be a real it was going to be a real benchmark for us okay doing something like this for a high-end uh, uh, restaurant at, in las vegas which is you know how many people are going into the flamingo hotel on the strip and oh by the way you can see this from the strip and by the way it's still there okay uh, it was as of the last time uh, a family member, my daughter, went mm-hmm. out there with uh, a yeah, Great one, picture. Yeah, it's exactly. And picture of her taken at the, the front entrance to it. But we were starting to get things like that, okay? Uh, but and, let, let me
1: make an assumption. Correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. First five years of the business, given the distribution challenges, Right. You guys weren't making money hand over fist where you're all making what you want to make personally
0: I understand the distribution calling, piece. calling on distributors was a big part of my time took a big part of my time uh, uh, marketing wise and sales wise and on the road wise but uh, we also I also called on you know design build firms I was going to home shows and trade exhibitions where you know design build firms and contractors had You know big islands uh you know i'm making calls i'm going to these shows spending two days talking to each one of them you know handing out sell sheets uh and by the way you never have you never hand out a sell sheet unless you're talking to the person that you're handing the sell sheet to but in a topic of it costs too much money you're so
1: you're you're blanketing the whole world of sales every opportunity you're using your time effectively which is great but the outcome to the bottom line, the cash flow, mm-hmm. you guys weren't making money hand over fist where that's the reward. It had to be other things, right? Yeah. I, and I'm making an assumption here, but for five, you, you guys weren't, you know, without getting into specifics of compensation, you all weren't killing it in terms of right. results to the bottom line. Correct. So it had to be other things to sustain the business. You had to get through the grind.
0: Uh, exactly. You know, when we, uh, we, we got, and the way you got through that Trust me, by the time you get that first big win, you have a pretty good idea of how how this organization is going to run. Mm -hmm. You know what your responsibilities are. Uh, You know, Mick and Ken knew what their responsibilities were, and we just did it every day. You know, we're responsible individuals that came from worlds that required that you be that type of person. So applying those principles to this work with our own business, that was no problem at all. The you know the grind, uh, you know we talked about this a little bit in the last uh, the last podcast in regards to our wives. You know, the you know, the noise, the outside noise was not there. Mm-hmm. You know, our our wives took care of that for us. Okay, not a so, luxury. So we were we were able to concentrate on the daily grind of running the business, um, and yeah, you know, th- th- there were tough times, but. Um, we never lost sight of the fact that this is a product that we know. Look, this this isn't one of those situations where you're twenty-three years old, you don't know shit from Shinola. Hi. Pardon my French. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, this is a great idea. I'm gonna go make this job work, I'm gonna make this we're gonna make this product, we're gonna we're gonna sell this, we're gonna be, this is gonna be six No. We all came from worlds where you know, we've had our own little individual successes in our previous in our previous jobs. Uh, We know when we see something, if it's going to, if we think very strongly that it's going to work, there's a pretty good chance that it's going to work. Right. And what I think is terrific about looking back on uh, the the grind of doing what you have to do to keep pushing this product out there every day, all those years that it took are now pretty validated. I mean, this business business has, uh, in my opinion, exploded and uh it's exploded for good reason there's a there's a market for this product and we've always said all along the biggest problem we had was exposure getting people we need more people to know about our product and because you don't have a huge massive infusion of capital you know to, to kind of push that along uh and hit all the marketing outlets you know, you had to do it. You had to find other ways to do it, and those other ways, you know, basically came as a result of the of the, of the grind that it took every day to move this product.
1: Well, you, you laid out a lot of adversity. Uh, I think anybody would say three years of being on the road and all the sacrifice that takes, right, to be on the in the Red Roof Inn for five nights when you got relatively young family. Right. It's that's a sacrifice, and if the right. if the benefits aren't financial, there's got to be other things involved. The belief and a bigger vision that eventually it'll be success, a host of other things that keep you fueled because it's not the excess bonus dollars that are coming in, right? Correct. That's exactly right. And, uh, you, know. you know, the simple simple word of gratitude and appreciating the journey that you're on, whether it's the Red Roof Inn or slaving away in a shop, a factory, is pretty darn important, I think. When you're, when you're in a small business entrepreneurial world, mm-hmm. if you can't figure out a way to appreciate the little things, It will beat you down because you're going to be going through uh, the 98% rejection rate of this might not work. So I think there's a practical aspect to it, which is, you know, Maslow's needs, food, clothing, and shelter. How are you going to fund your own food, your basic living expenses? That's a really practical, you can either do that or do not, right, in a small business. You can figure that out, whether through savings, credit cards. uh, But then it's the appreciation of what are you trying to build here and who are you doing it with, um, let me give you a quick little story of uh, when I was a marketing exec for a food company, mm-hmm. I had to learn the operations ropes. So Chess Jackson, shout out to Chess. This guy, you know, I've always considered myself a hard worker. Chess puts me to shame. We fly out to Chandler, Minnesota to Monogram meat snacks. And, we're, we're you know, we spent five days there. That was my orientation. And we were working with all the people. And Chess gave me some great advice don't open a laptop you can do that in memphis where we were headquartered let's spend the time working with the people I'm, I'm on board makes perfect sense so i'm thinking all right we we'll, right, we'll sit down we'll have a few meetings we'll we'll tour through we'll do the drive-by in the plan we'll see all the production lines we'll do everything we got to do sure rude awakening so we go through we're, you know we wake up early we get the we get to the plant. let's just say it's chandler minnesota in the dead of winter which is when we start it is not exactly the most pleasant place in the world to be. I mean, it's like negative 20 degrees windshield. You (laughs) haven't seen cold until you go to Chandler, Minnesota in January. So we're going through the meat plant. We're going through the whole thing. And meat plants are, it's cold. It's wet. A ton of people. So we're going through it. We we go through the plant, let's just say for five hours. And then we have some planning meetings. We're doing a whole thing. We're sampling product. Finally comes time. Let's say it's 6 o'clock. We break for dinner. And I'm thinking that's it. That's for our day. Let's go have a nice dinner. Throw back a beer. So we we start ordering, and I'll never forget it. No alcohol. We're going back. I'm like, we're going back where? Well, we got night shift at the plant. I'm like, Jesus. We woke up at five o'clock. I'm a little tired here. We're not going to bed now. We're going to the night shift. And sanitation starts at I think it was like three a.m. or something ridiculous. I'm like, holy shit, we're gonna do sanitation too. So we're going through the plant, and and, and I am dead tired. And again, I think I'm pretty hardcore with work. And he was doing it with a smile on his face, and she, like this guy's like the freaking Energizer Bunny, right? That was day one. So we get the day—I think it was like Thursday or whatever—and we give a, a presentation to the entire workforce and uh, a Spanish workforce, so there was interpreters. And I'll never forget this: there was four production workers, little Hispanic ladies, right? And at the end of the presentation, I see them go to their locker. They open it up, and they pull out what looked like a giant cupcake or a small cake. Sure. They go in the corner, one candle, they lit it, and and, and everyone's scrambling with their hard hats to get back into the factory. They sing in Spanish, happy birthday, and they're cracking up, and they're, they're wolfing down the cake. And I'm looking at this in amazement saying, oh, my God, they just celebrated, a little, little group of four women celebrated someone's birthday, and they look like they're having their time of their life. I mean, you want to talk about gratitude right there. And then they break, they throw their hard hats on, and they go back. And and I'm thinking to myself, here I am feeling sorry for myself, right? Because i got to walk through a plant at 3 in the morning to see sanitation. And these four gals take the time out to celebrate one of their colleagues' birthday. I'm like, boy, if that wasn't the cold slap of water, how can they be grateful for that opportunity to say happy birthday, sing around a cake, and then big smiles on their face, they're going back into the grind of sure. working at a meat plant. And I'm like, it's one of those lessons that hit me like a ton of bricks. Somehow they found a way to practice a little gratitude right there. Maybe I ought to take a cue from them.
0: Uh, it's it's a great story. Now, you know, you you bring up a very important point. When uh, when you uh, went through the process of purchasing L&M Foods, uh, and I think I could tie this to what we just got finished talking about, Paver, Paver Art got started, for all intents and purposes, by, you know, there were three of us that basically powered this thing i keep using the term power but i can't think of a better term it really Mm -hmm. was powered by the three of us but the um uh there were three of us okay all pretty good at our uh you know uh, our particular strengths uh whichever whatever they might be how many small businesses in this country basically have one sole owner sole proprietors I think the majority of them ah, I think you're right uh, and we don't think that we know yeah that. I think that's right uh, you were in a similar position at L&M Foods now your your primary backup was probably Kim your wife okay there was your that was part of your support mechanism but you're at that job every day at three four five o'clock in the morning working 12 13 14 15 hours working and I know how, how, how hard you work here. So a seven-day a seven week for you back then, uh, you know, with the financial responsibilities that you had, not unusual uh, to, to, to put in those kinds of hours. So uh, I guess my question is, I had Ken and Meg. If I had an issue or if I was feeling piercing. down, I had, right. you know, I had guys to prop me up. And, uh, you know, they had me to prop them up. Uh, you know whenever one of the guys was down there was two of us that were right there uh, and believe me that's that's a that's a hell of a support group mm-hmm. okay Where was your support group?
1: That's a good question business ownership carries a a lot of great things but there are some burdens right when you brought up the story of Mick Mick was always up always optimistic yep. Every day he wasn't optimistic, I can assure you that. Right. There might have been two-thirds of the times he wasn't optimistic, but you thought he was. So there's a degree of, I hate to use the word, acting, but you've got to be on as an owner. They've got to believe that the future is brighter tomorrow than it is today, right? Yep. Um, To answer your question, who is my support network? As an owner, you don't want to burden the people that are working with you Mm -hmm. or for you, right? You just don't. But you got to have somebody or you're going to explode so yeah you're right well, let's
0: not forget you are their support mechanism too
1: that's right so, so you, you carry those responsibilities number one you've got to make payroll right when you're running a business and when you're responsible for it it's not just a, there's a lot of mouths that are being fed from the business that you're running whether you've got one employee or 50 right business owners have to find a support network that could be their spouse it could be good friends it's better if they can relate to their business. You, you don't need emotional support, although that's important. Mm-hmm. You need practical, hands-on, business-oriented support. There, there's, there's a lot of ways you can get that. You can build an informal network. There's also formalized networks. You can pay whatever it is, 1500 bucks a month, Young Presidents Club. There's one organization, the Entrepreneurial Network, Vistage, uh, where they bring together CEOs once a month and they, they do uh, issue processing of different issues. Those things can help. Um, but what you really need is a what you know the the one term kitchen cabinet of advisors so who do you go to when your back is up against the wall as a business owner that can help you with this topic and let's just say that's a financial topic and then over here you've got an hr human resources sales issue who's your kitchen cabinet of advisors that you can turn to for that Mm -hmm. so outside of the business you want to have a strong network and i'm amazed when i write blog posts every now and then i just put something out there to see if anyone's listening or to see if anybody wants to take me up on it. I'll publish my cell phone number. A tickler. A little tickler. Mm -hmm. I'll publish my cell phone number and say, text me and set up a time to talk with me if I can help you in any way. And why do I do that? Well, I got an hour and a half commute back to North Jersey three days a week. And at 4 a.m. or 4.30, I'm coming here. So I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to kind of use office hours, so to speak, in my car going back north? Over three years, two people have taken me up on that. Now, that might just mean that two people have noticed that I've done that. Um, so it tells you something about hard to get your name out there. But I think generally business owners are a pretty prideful bunch. Mm-hmm. They don't like to I, I hate to generalize, but there's a group of them that don't like to ask for help. You've got to ask for help. You've got to remove your you gotta be humble enough to ask for help or you might just implode. Um, number one, from a psychological standpoint. From a practical standpoint, you don't know everything, right? I, I've got a pretty core skill set in sales, marketing with an operational and financial feel but there's a lot of, i i don't know more than i do know so who's going to help fill in those gaps you got to have a strategy for that um because the grind and the adversity can wear you down you got to have a support network and it's probably got to be outside of your business
0: there was how did you handle yes you you, you have a good feel for the finance end but you still need you still need an accountant. You need someone that can sit down at the table across from you and say, "Okay, here's the here's what we got. Here's how we did last month. Right. This is here's our cash flow situation. Um, you know, we're going to need to borrow for this. We're going to need it's, you know, that's he they become your best friend, I'm sure. You know, that's part of the as part of the business and
1: to a degree. But what I have learned in the world of accounting is there's an income statement and there's a balance sheet. Um, there's something more important than that which has to do with neither of them. That's your cash balance. Sure. So uh, what I've learned over time is I don't need an accountant to tell me if I made money or lost money in the month for the health of my business and they do all their accruals, they do all the gap accounting principles. Mm-hmm. What I've learned over time, healthy, profitable businesses, if their cash is $10,000 today, if they're making money, over the long term, your cash balance should build along with your profits. And if it doesn't, Something's going on. So you got to look at your cash. Ca- businesses don't go out of business because of lack of profits. Right. They go out of business because of cash flow issues. They're spending on CapEx. They're building up inventory. They're not managing working capital successfully. So what I've kind of learned to do, that I get accounting. I get balance sheets and the importance of them with income statements and cash flow statements. You've got to learn to manage working capital. And where your money is, where it's going, you've got to know how to reinvest. So I've, over the course of owning businesses... I've learned the working capital is critical and that's where businesses burn up. So I'm not an accountant, never will be one, but I appreciate a CPA, a good CPA and a good accountant. I've short circuited that. I know my working capital, which is your current assets minus your current liabilities, what you own to pay your current bills and what you owe your, your short term obligations. That number over time should be growing. If you're managing an effective business, if it's not growing, you're probably not making profits or you got to dive deeper. So These are short-circuited ways that you can kind of accelerate this and kind of manage through this grind. But metrics are important for a small business owner and understanding if you're heading in the right direction or not. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to be looking forward, not necessarily in the rearview mirror. So grit and grind and adversity. As a business owner, you got to kind of, there's only so many hours in a week, right? Right. You've got to decide where your energy is going to go. You want to have a portion of it tied to the financial health of your business. Mm Um, And then how does that look? And is it going to get better over time or not? And if the answer is or not, you want to work on that, right?
0: Well, if you're, so basically what we're saying is this, we've indicated that we know for a fact that the majority of small businesses in this country are run by sole proprietors. Mm -hmm. Uh, For the most part, they're sole proprietors. And the, you know, that person, that entrepreneur, that person that started the business, is probably really good at one or two, maybe even three things, but they're not good at ten. That's right. Okay, and it's ten, you know, or nine or seven, whatever it's going to take for them to make that business a success. So basically, what we're saying is, you've got a network, you've got to, uh, you know, you got to build uh, out your support, align yourself with. Uh, a number of people that you can trust that can, you know, that can basically uh, act as guidance counselors from time to time. Let,
1: let me ask you: Why did you stay at a Red Roof Inn versus a Marriott Residence Inn that might have cost a hundred bucks?
0: That's uh, that's a real easy question to answer. That money, you know, I, I sales to me was always a game. It was a numbers game. Uh, it was it was a self Challenging, self motivating game. Uh, What kept me sane was okay, I made 13 sales calls this week, okay, all over the eastern seaboard or out in, you know, heading out towards Chicago or, you know, on my way down to Nashville or down on my way down to Texas. By the way, all by car. Mm -hmm. Um, The arranging of all of that, you know, with the goal that, okay, last week I spent two hundred and seventy five dollars on expenses food shelter gas uh and let's not forget gas back then was a, sure. you know it's a buck 25 again mm-hmm. um can i get that down to 250 you know now I'm, I'm i'm putting numbers out there mm-hmm. i can't remember the exact numbers but um let's see if i can do that this week and oh by the way you know, my son and my daughter have a have a swim meet starting on Saturday. Got to be back I'm, for it. You know, I'm in Miami or I'm in the Keys somewhere, making sales calls, and I'm not missing that sales. I'm not missing that sales meet. I'm not missing that swim meet that my kids are in, uh, and you know, my wife needs a little relief, so I'm driving all the way back. Can I make it in, you know, can I make it in one, you know, can I make that, you know, 17-hour trip or 16- or 17-hour trip mm-hmm. all in one shot? It's a game. Well, let that's me comment that, on that. That's, that's what you... You, you I mean, answered
1: it very succinctly. Why did you stay at the Red Roof versus the Marriott Residence? It was money because it was $70 cheaper than the other one, right? Absolutely. Look, as a small business owner...
0: And by the way, you know, you know how many Red Roofs there are in Orlando? Seven. Right. Well... As I recall, there were seven. Mm-hmm. And I had in my car, I had with me all the red, I had the, the directory of Red Roof Inns, the directory of Hamptons, the Super Eights. Yep. Uh, the, um, uh, but you weren't going to find a Holiday Inn in the bunch, okay? You weren't going to find a Marriott. Uh, you weren't going to find a Radisson. None of those were in my car. Uh, uh, but if you, st- what's amazing to me, a little, little trick of the trade. If you're getting to the closer you get to the downtown area of the metropolitan area where you're making your sales call okay uh those red roof ins red roof ins get more expensive all right so i'm staying in orlando it may as well have been in georgia where (laughs) where i was staying because the nightly rate there was 49.99 okay and you know uh free hbo (laughs) so. <laughs> well, what,
1: here, here's what I would tell you: the fact that you can articulate, you can talk specifics about 49.99 versus the different options. Right. If you're owned by, let's say, a big private equity fund with big money, sure. they're not having these conversations. They're just going to the Marriott. That's where they get their points, or yeah. wh- whatever the reason is. That's a different cultural aspect. Right. The small proprietor is not thinking that way. No. They're kind of thinking like you're just kind of articulated. I'm not driving.
0: Yeah, you're. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm not driving a $45,000 car, Mm -hmm. okay? I'm driving, at the time I was driving a a Hyundai Santa Fe. And by the way, we've never owned any other type of car since then. Mm -hmm. I won't own another kind of car. Um, I'm loyal to that brand because that car, the first car I got when we started Paverart, was a burgundy-colored Santa Fe. I drove that thing all over this country. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I finally gave it up, it was still running, when I finally gave it up, because everybody said, "Look, you got to get a new car." <laughs> I had four hundred and fifty-five thousand miles on that car, and that car never let me down. Never ever let me down. And it was inexpensive to run. You know, after I paid it off, it didn't. Uh, you know, uh, it, it didn't owe me anything. I owed it quite a bit, but you know, it, 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 if I was a, a big shot salesman uh working for a company with a territory and million multi-million dollar accounts you know i'm driving around in a caddy i'm driving around Well, the, the mindset that you had there you know, with the car it's very simple it's the you know and by the way you're not i'm not buying a car every two years so how important is
1: are those decisions for the small proprietor the lifestyle the huge caddy?
0: huge but it, at the same time it they're easy to manage because Or right, if you're not willing the, to do the, that that's it, coming out of your pocket every day so
1: tough question because of the 30 million small businesses, and I think the ownership rate in America for small business, I think it's like 8 point something percent. Right. Is it fair to say, if you're not willing to drive that car for 450,000 miles, or stay in a red roof in, that maybe you ought to question why you're getting into small business? If they won't do that. If you Yes. And I think most of them would. Yes. But really- there's a percentage of one. Look, entre- one of the problems with social media is it's made, entrepreneurship used to be this you're starting your own business. You were like, oh, you're doing what? Now it's sexy. Right. Now it's the private jets. It's all this glamorized stuff, which is not a fair depiction of what a small business owner really is.
0: It's completely and totally unfair because right. the, the guys the guys in this, in our sphere, our current sphere, uh, that's... I can assure you that's not how they are. We deal with a
1: lot of them. We, we've dealt with contractors. Our terms are very clear. We get a 50% deposit up that's front, right. and then when we're done, we send you the picture. You pay us the balance, and we do that before we ship it. We've had a r- rare but occasions where we send a proof of completion, and then they drag us out. Why? They don't got the money. You can't get blood from a stone. That's right. They looked at the terms. They just don't have the money, so they're not really a business. They, they, they got to wait until they get paid to pay us. So now, in the world of contractors, I don't know what percentage are in that camp mm-hmm. that they're not going to pay until they get paid. Well, now, we'll never do business with them, again, by the way, right? But there are a lot of businesses that behave how they want to behave, not because they're bad people. They just don't have the money, but they enter into things they shouldn't be entering into.
0: How many of those guys that are like that? The guys, and again, I'm, this is, you know, this is not an indictment. This is just a, this is an observation how many of those? How many of those fellows that own their own businesses uh, could tell you today what their cash flow position was?
1: The ones that do that, very few. Yeah, they're not yeah. running a business the way. They need. If you can't comply with contract terms, and you know you're entering into a contract that you can't fulfill, sure. I wouldn't say you shouldn't be in business. There could, although that's possible, there might be some integrity issues. But if they're willing to say, "All right, I get your terms." And and I'll enter, I'll get you your deposit, but I won't do the back
0: end until I get paid. There's a problem. There's a real problem there. How hard is that? Think about this. You're out there, you're killing it at a job site all day long. You gotta come home. And if you don't do it Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, or Saturday night, you gotta do it Sunday. Your only day off. <clears throat> and what is that? That is figuring out where you are financially in your business, mm-hmm. buying inventory, being able to afford and make payroll, make the next payroll. Uh, do I need to get that, that next truck? Boy, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to have a club cab, you know, uh, in a dually? With uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know all these all these nice little options and accoutrements, blah 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 blah, that are going to cost you an extra well, thirty five grand. Let's go back to do that. you. Uh, well, you know, when I that's I that's that's a write off to the business. First of all, they're yeah, they're write offs. They're expensive write offs. That and they it, require. It's cash. not a write off. It's not like somebody's going to give you. Somebody's going to reimburse you. Anybody that for starts, buying the truck.
1: Anybody that doesn't know how to manage cash and they use their the term write off. They don't know what they're doing. Right right that just gets you back 30% or whatever tax bracket you're in at the end of the year exactly go back to the cake the four little production workers that are having a cake and they're celebrating life and they're practicing a little gratitude right and they're getting motivated to get back on the shift small business owners can learn from that having said that there is a hardcore practical responsibility and skill for a small business owner to be able to run an effective business where they don't put themselves in that position right. or start using terms like write-off as justification for poor working capital management, poor decisions, whatever it is. So let's face it. there's The bell curve affects small business owners too. There's small business owners that are at the top 10% that are growing, they're reinvesting, they're doing all that. There's the masses. And then there's 20% that are going to go out of business. It's just, when is it going to catch up to them? Sure. Right? Exactly. So to move from the masses to become better at what you do, It's about networks. It's about getting better at the things that you're not good at, surrounding yourself with different people, um, all of those things. So part of surviving in the face of adversity is getting more successful, having a plan to get more successful. So if you're stretching your suppliers now, have a goal to do less of that next month or a quarter from now. So a real thing with going through adversity, you got to get better at what you do. You've got to get better at what you do. Sure. Or you're going to be continually in a model of stretching people or uh, not increasing compensation or a host of other bad things that you can't do in this competitive environment that we're in.
0: You may be an expert. The, cake, the cake's
1: only going to go so far.
0: That's true. And that cake's only so big. Right. So um, there's a, when we were talking about and, and preparing for this podcast the uh, or this particular episode, we – You brought up something that i thought was very very interesting and you referred to it as peer executive groups um i thought that was extremely helpful now that that may be on a certain specific level that you dealt with peer executive groups as the sole owner of well the sole owner slash manager of uh of l m foods okay but at the same time that appears to be to, to some measure a support group for you and I'm sure there's those groups that are available at virtually every level mm-hmm. every level of proprietorship
1: well there's a business for everything so if you want to pay you can get into any support mechanism that you have sure um, or you do it informally through right. finding people in uh, trying to build relationships with other people mm-hmm. so like anything if you're gonna do it informally which in theory doesn't cost anything and you try and reach out to people in your space that you think could be a benefit like anything, you gotta you, you can't just take, you got to give, like Absolutely. any relationships. you got to try and build those mutually beneficial relationships. So I give the example that I put myself out there just to make the time pass in my car. But, yeah, there, there's a selfish thing there, too, is, hey, maybe I'll build a relationship that could help our, us or something else. Maybe it's deal flow for acquiring other businesses. Um, but really, it's just, let me kill some time on a commute, right? Uh, but you can pay to be part of a Vistage, a Young Entrepreneurs, a Young President's Club. You can pay for any of those things. And get good counsel you've got to evaluate it like anything else is it worth the 1500 a month and make that decision
0: as if it's a business it's it's a business decision so you got to have a payback there and you've got because of your previous business relationships you've got what can only be counted as friends that you know and and friend uh, friend and business relationships that you've you know you've nurtured and and worked on for years and years and years and i'm sure you spoke with those people from mm-hmm. time to time when, sure. you, when you were doing l the uh, you know not everybody has that but we everybody get, can develop it. that i think
1: that's right you, you've got to as a small business owner you're well served to build your network out i think that's you know if we were to give bullet pointed tips from this episode build out your network and, sure. and start informally and, and and set a goal Two to three conversations a quarter with different people, mm-hmm. and see if you can add value to them. So look at what you do well that you might be able to help somebody else with. Do it from a spirit of mutual benefit, and then try and develop your network and do it on downtime so you're not taking time away from the business. Whether it's commuting, um, trying it, trying with LinkedIn, it's pretty easy to reach out to people. People are pretty accessible. That's the one benefit of social media. Sure, you're two degrees of separation from anybody. So mm-hmm. the question is. Now everyone's busy. Everyone's uh, leading busy lives. So, um, but but if you do it from a standpoint, hey, I think I can help you in this area, and then vice versa, strike up a conversation. You'd be surprised at how well you can do that informally.
0: And I'd like to think that there are other Mark Alavitos out there, and I'll bring that up uh, to 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 wrap this episode up. We have been presented with several opportunities here in the last four years where something looked like a really good idea, something that would be an addendum to paver art or uh, something that would complement paver art for the purposes of purchasing another business. But um, uh, several of these several of these opportunities have come up uh, and uh, I don't think we've pulled the trigger on any of them yet. But what's interesting to me is that When it kind of got to the tipping point of those discussions, the tipping point being, you know, uh, the 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 definition of what that tipping point would be is okay, we got a fisher cut bay. Mm -hmm. All right, we're either going to move forward with this or we're not. Um, You always stayed on. You always continue to talk to that particular cut because a lot of these companies were in, you know, I wouldn't say dire straits. A couple of them were, but. Um, you continue to give them some guidance, give them some insight. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's admirable. If there's, There cannot be only one Mark Alavito in the United States. There, there's there's got to be thousands of there's them. There's plenty of them and a lot more skilled than me, I would say. Um, but yeah, but, that's, but that's, that's part of find yourself someone like that. Well, it's it's about
1: it's about value in a relationship. So I've always had a philosophy. Look, I want to have a life. If if I go into business with you, I want to have a lifelong relationship, even after a transaction. Or the thing is, otherwise, you become that transactional guy. Sure. There's a ton of private equity shops are all about the transaction. Let's get the deal done. Let's sell the thing in three years, and let's move on. The definition of transaction. They are anti relationship. Now I hate to broad brush it because I I'm, I'm affiliated with Salt Creek Capital. I think is one of the good guys in the business mm-hmm. but generally in the world of big business when you start building a business of value and that segment <clears throat> called private equity they're generally not long-term relationship oriented they're about deals and sure. deal flow and all those things nothing wrong with that The lord knows they make their they could be very successful doing that in the world of small business and operations uh, i take the approach of look let's have a 20-year relationship whether we're doing business together or not it's, it's allowed me to sleep at night. And so, if a deal doesn't go forward with me and, and people that we talk to for pay reward, no problem. Why do we have to stop communicating if we can help them yeah. or vice versa? Great so, point. You know, relationships don't cost a thing other than your own mental investment in that relationship. But boy, they can pay dividends if you hang in there and try and add value. I mean, having an I think the definition of old school is grinding people in a one sided win lose fashion versus trying to have a long term. Mutually beneficial relationship.
0: Well, if if you think that you know, if you think about it, there's um, look you know, small business
1: owners that go out of business. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to go get a job. So why not have a host of networks and people that they've done right by, right? Exactly. The worst, you know, maybe the last point in the world of adversity and business owners dealing with how do you how do you get through the grind, the adversity. What's the worst that can happen in a in a business that they might own? They go out of business. And they have financial ruin associated with it if they got debt or things like that. Sure. Well, kind of like Kim said to me when I was contemplating buying the business, which would require us guaranteeing twelve million dollars of debt. What's the worst that can happen? Well, we screw it up, the business goes under, and we go personally bankrupt. Pretty sobering.
0: Does that, <laughs> does that mean we got to
1: sell our house? So you start going through that mental freight train? All right. She goes. Well, can you, do you think you'd be able to get a CMO job again? Well, I guess I have a resume and maybe they look not too kindly on that, but probably. All right, so go make it back. So she had a way of cutting through the clutter and saying, you got to be able to put food on a table. You got to cover your basic living expenses. I think your red roof in thing of if you're not willing to make sacrifices in your personal life and if you can keep them simple, do red roof in versus the hotels, and you compound that by 20 other decisions, you're going to set yourself, you're going to tilt the deck in your favor. And I think that matters. If you think through the worst-case scenario, if it doesn't work, and then figure out how quickly you can bounce back, that helps reduce stress. This is a game; it's about reducing stress, tilting the odds in your favor, getting better through networks, skill building, all of those things, and that helps you get through the grind here.
0: I, you know, I think that's that that sums it up pretty well. And oh, by the way, before we sign off, I do have to say, um, Red Roof ends clean accessible the blood blood yeah. on the sheets they're everywhere have you no, ever had no you never no, had that no, no 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 see i go off the off
1: the off brand names so that's probably where i'm screwing up it,
0: look the you know that you're not you're not going to get the amenities that, that you're going to get at a marriott okay you're not going to have the breakfast there in the morning but you're going to have you're going to have hot coffee it's clean you know it's it, very clean easily accessible uh and for me it was the right price and you know it just worked and <laughs> you know the uh uh Red Roof Inn should call us up and sponsor. They,
1: we're giving them free advertising. I mean, we, we should shake them down for at least we're talking a few shekels. We're
0: talking to you, shekels. to all Red Roof Inns that actually are listening to this podcast. That's
1: the last time we're going to plug your business.
0: <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know what? It, it worked. It absolutely worked. And the. Um,
1: yeah, sponsored uh, by. I mean, it powered by Red Roof Inn. It doesn't sound as Roof good Roof as powered Inn. by paperwork. I like yeah.
0: paperwork better. And I just. And I love the term grit and grind it's it, look it's our motto at paper art grit grind hustle repeat yeah it's it's, uh, it's hard
1: work it's hard work you got to find a joy in the hard work you got to find the joy in the adversity and the um the the percentage that's not successful not the big one as you call it that's the key
0: well the uh, uh and you're exactly right and i just reminded myself by hitting the microphone for the third time because dominic is going to say something to me dominic olivito is our producer of this podcast and we tremendously appreciate all the good work that he does he does it all behind the scenes so we're going to give him a mention hey, hey
1: real quick the the story of relaunching our little website hustlerbust.com, which was a 10 year old website it right. looked like like any website if you go 10 That's years 10 years old right yeah exactly if you go <laughs> 10 years you know from paper your first website looks completely different than ours If you don't update a website for 10 years, that thing's going to look old and tired, and you don't want to go there and spend much time on it. Bingo. We had 200 blog posts written on this thing over 10 years. And Dominic, we relaunched it on a Wix platform, which I think is more user... Another shout-out to Wix. uh, More user-friendly. You can manage it easier. Easier to do blogs and podcasts and things like that. Dominic had the unfortunate task of I gave it to him. I don't have time for it. Dom, hey, you want to do a website? I'll pay you a few bucks. He signed up for it. He said, okay. Well, now he's got to bring over all of these old websites, all these old blog posts. I think he brought, what, 130? 131. 131. Well, when you go into old blog posts, there's dead links. There's pictures that don't work anymore. So he's got to go into each post, and he's got to go find new pictures, find new links. And I've got to go in and redo the SEO, which isn't a ton of time, maybe five minutes per post. But five minutes times 130 posts is a lot of time. So the idea of redoing a website the 130 posts, it's like 85% tedious, time consuming work that's like, oh my God, this is a pain in the ass. That's why well, people don't update them.
0: Okay. And well, I got to interrupt you here. Please. What's the, uh, first of all, Dominic, let's tell, the, let's, tell the, let's tell the audience, how old are you?
1: Uh, just turned 15. Just
0: turned 15. Happy birthday, by the way. Um, when did you do this particular job on the Hustler Bust, updating the uh, Hustler Bust website? What day of the week was that? Or days? Uh, yeah well we i started pretty much a week before it launched uh so, so you got it done in a week yeah but how, you know were you doing this monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday did you do any weekends that kind of thing uh, pretty much at all because we had to do the website and i had to edit the podcast so it was on saturdays and sundays okay did we launched on the sunday well then you were yep. working on, you were working on that job on the weekend okay you're here three days a week during the summer uh I I don't think we can call you an intern anymore though no, the uh, uh so what you so after a week of that this is your summer vacation you're doing that work on the weekend and it's tedious it's tedious I think is a is a is a generous it's a very generous description of it. Right. it's quite frankly it's a pain in the ass as far as I'm concerned so yeah, you know, it's just that's hard work to do especially when your buddies are around they're doing something hey Dom, what's going on i, I can't I, I'm, I'm doing this for my dad's website what you're doing what and it's the weekend everybody's going to the pool it's you have you get you get major kudos from me buddy but you it's major I, kudos i
1: think from it's me. a choice if 85 percent of that work is tedious and uh i'm only on post 55 and i got 130 to go right And you start focusing on that, the tedious nature of it, you're never going to get it done. Or you're going to get it done and be burnt out at the end.
0: Well, do you think he understands the grind now? Yeah. I think he understands the grind now.
1: What you got to focus on is the launch. And we just put something out in the world, which who the hell knows what this is going to do. But maybe some people will get some value out of it. So without doing that grind, that tedious stuff, he never get to putting something out in the world. And
0: he's also learning the grid end of it too. And there's a skill there. Yeah exactly. You're, it's, it's this invaluable experience that you're gaining. By the way, something that I would strongly suggest that other 15 14, 15, 16, and 17 year olds Do something. start doing. high school earn a buck. So Well, thank you gentlemen. This was a, I think this is another good podcast and we're signing off now. The um, uh, we will see you next week where we will we will be producing two more.
1: Good job, All right.
0: good job everybody. Have a good week. Thank you.